like to begin this morning with an honest question, okay? An honest question. Is there anything more important to you than eating lunch today? In other words, can you envision a scenario where you might conclude, you know, rather than eating lunch today, I'm actually not going to eat lunch today. It would be worth it not to eat lunch today. I almost guarantee you the answer to that question is yes. If somebody said, I will give you $5,000 if you don't eat lunch today, you'd say, let me think, okay, you've got a deal, right? And so almost all of us, the vast majority of us would skip a meal or two if we thought, thought that it were worth it. And so my point is that even though food is a good gift from God, food is essential for life, even though food is incredibly pleasurable, all of us might find a scenario where we would voluntarily abstain from food for a period of time. Christian, uh, speaking from a distinctly Christian point of view, that's the reason why a person would fast, because we think it's worth it spiritually. As you're probably aware, people fast all over the world. All the major religions practice fasting. Uh, some people fast for health and dietary reasons, but today we're going to talk about fasting from a distinctively Christian point of view. So we're in the midst of a sermon series on finding God. And we're teaching this series in conjunction with this 21 days of prayer and fasting. And uh, if this is the first you're hearing of that, feel free to jump into this, this experience now. Nothing magic about 21 days. But uh, we're, we're teaching this series on, on finding God. We seek God to find him. And uh, last week, Logan taught from Matthew 7, where Jesus said, those who ask, receive. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, have the door open to them. Why? Because God is such a good Father. He loves giving good gifts to his children. So we're going to spend three weeks talking about how we can seek God in a, with, a, with a view to finding him. Next week, we'll talk about seeking God through prayer. The following week, seeking God through uh, the word. Today, we're going to talk about seeking God through fasting. In the Bible, fasting refers to voluntarily going without food for a period of time for a specific reason. I want to just acknowledge up front that for some people, fasting from food is not advisable. I'm thinking about people who might have diabetes, uh, people who might have an unhealthy relationship with food. If I'm describing you, it may not be advisable for you to fast from food. There are other options, and we'll talk about those toward the end of the, the, the sermon. Uh, but... but uh, if I'm describing you, there, please, please believe me, there is absolutely no shame in fasting from something besides food if fasting from food is not advisable for you. Um, we would never want you to do something that's unhealthy or harmful medically or psychologically. There's great freedom in Christ, especially in this new covenant. There's great freedom we can fast in a variety of ways that God, that, that communicates to God our desire that we're desperate for him. And so during this 21 days of prayer and fasting, we're encouraging you to identify one issue or one area of your life where you're desperate for God. And as, we, as if you've identified that area, keep that in mind as we go through our passage today. Today, we're going to look at Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. You may be aware this is right in the heart of the Sermon on the Mount, and in the first half of Matthew 6, Jesus is talking about practicing our righteousness, practicing godly habits, and he mentions three. He mentions giving to the poor, 
prayer, and, and then fasting. And his emphasis in these verses is about living for the notice of God, not living for the applause of other people. And here's the umbrella statement in verse 1. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. And so he warns his disciples against craving the notice of other people, just wanting people to appreciate you and applaud you and be impressed by giving to the poor and praying and fasting. Rather, Jesus says, we should give and pray and fast for the notice of God. Next week, we'll talk about prayer. I wanted to talk about fasting today because it's a little bit more off the beaten path. And since we're in this 21 days, just want to give some teaching that hopefully will encourage you to taste and see that fasting is actually a good gift from God. It is not a curse. It's not a penalty for anything. It's a gift that God gives us. And so in verses 16 through 18, Jesus warns against fasting for the wrong reasons, specifically in order to be noticed by other people. Avoid fasting for the wrong reasons. He says this in verse 16, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do, for they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. And so as with giving, as with praying, Jesus says, whenever you fast, not if you fast. And so speaking to a Jewish audience in Israel in the first century, Jesus could safely assume that fasting was woven into the fabric of their lives. Uh, if you were a Jew living in the Old Covenant, everybody fasted on the Day of Atonement. There were other times when the whole community was, was called to fasting, to seek God or to repent uh, over some sin. Now, the Pharisees in the first century, they fasted twice a week on Mondays and Thursdays. And so it was, uh, it was just part of their lives. Uh, fasting was a normal, common practice for Jesus' audience. And his caution was avoid fasting in such a way that others will notice and they'll be impressed. He says, don't look sad and somber. Don't look disheveled and unkempt and haggard. So people will say, all right, what's wrong with you? Well, I'm fasting. And in that culture, uh, people would be impressed if you're fasting when you don't have to, when you're fasting when not everybody else is. So Jesus says, don't do that. He says, if, you, if, if that's what you're going for in fasting, if what you really want by fasting is, the, is to impress other people, Jesus says, go for it. You can get that. But that's all you have. You have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. In other words, it will be spiritually worthless, okay? So he says, consider why you're doing this. Now, if you're like me, this is not a huge temptation, okay? Maybe in the church world, but it's just weird if somebody, if you told somebody out there that you're, you're fasting. So this may not be the biggest temptation for you. Scripture talks about other wrong motives, other uh, wrong reasons for fasting. And so let me mention a couple of those. One is found in Luke 18. Jesus told a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. They both went up to the temple to pray. And here's the scenario. Jesus is a master, master storyteller, right? He says, uh, Luke 18, 11, the Pharisee stood up and was praying this to himself. How's this for an intro line to your prayer? God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. 
swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. Okay, how's that for a prayer to God? Well, he didn't fast as a way to humble himself before God. You get the impression that his fasting was primarily a source of pride. It, it was something, he was, he was so impressed with himself, he just assumed God would be equally impressed, especially in relation to other people. And so for him, fasting was a matter of comparison. It was a way he could feel good or superior to other people. Verse 13, but the tax collector, standing some distance away, he was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but he was beating his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. There's a lead in line to your prayer. Jesus' comment, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than, than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And so fasting is a way that we humble ourselves before God. We experience our weakness. We experience our dependence upon God. In Psalm 35, David said, I I humbled my soul with fasting. And so Jesus warns us against any, any thought that by fasting we're proving something or we're showing our superiority in, in any way. It has nothing to do with other people. It has nothing to do with comparison. It has nothing to do with our, our, our superiority to anybody. Being proud about fasting is like being proud about how much medicine you take, okay? We, if we didn't have such weakness, if we didn't have such need, we wouldn't need to fast. Or another example is found in Isaiah 58. This is a, this is a jaw-dropping chapter. There, there we read that people wonder, why doesn't God respond to our fasting? And so this is the question that they asked. This is Isaiah 58, 3. Why have we fasted and you do not see? Why have we humbled ourselves, God, and you do not notice? And so they were wondering, God, we're, we're, we're fasting. We're humbling ourselves, but it doesn't look like you see and reward as is described in Matthew 6. And so for them, they thought that if you just went without food for a period of time, God was good with it. As long as you went without food and you looked sincere, then God would bless that. But if you read the rest of the chapter, and when you fast this week, I would encourage you to read Isaiah 59, 58. You read the rest of the chapter, you see that God didn't just look at their fasting. He looked at the entirety of their lives, and he saw such blatant hypocrisy that their fasting was worth it. He says, you go without food, but you care nothing for the people that have no food day in and day out. He says, you, 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 you are, are afflicting yourself with fasting, but there are people that are afflicted day in and day out. And so for you, the fast that, that you need to do is to, is to uh, feed the hungry, bring the homeless in, uh, relieve the oppressed. And so they were wealthy, powerful people, but their fasting was worthless before God. And so there's a warning for us here. It doesn't mean we have to be perfect before we fast, but it does mean that if we're going to humble ourselves before God, it needs to be with a stance of genuine humility and teachability. We say, God, show me my heart. See, uh, try me. Show me if there's any hurtful way in me. Show me what's in my life. And so Jesus warns us against fasting for the wrong reasons. It's not to impress people. It's not to, to prove that we're better than others. It's not to just some mechanistic thing so that God will bless us. 
We avoid all those motives. So what is the right reason? Well, Jesus says fast for the notice and the reward of your Father, your heavenly Father. Verses 17 and 18, we're back in Matthew 6. Jesus says this, but you, when you fast, comparison with them, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so in neglecting your appearance and looking all... You know, it's noticeable. You just practice normal hygiene. And that day, you know, anointing your head, olive oil, it would have been used a lot like we might use hair care products or skin care products. You, you, you just prepare yourself so that nobody will notice, uh, so that you won't be seen fasting by people. And just as a practical note, uh, there will be people that know you're fasting. There's no, no problem with that. Don't get paranoid by this teaching here. Sometimes it's common courtesy to let somebody say, yeah, I'm not going to be at breakfast this morning because I'm fasting, okay? And so don't, don't get freaked out about that. But rather, he says, uh, you, you, instead of fasting for the notice of other people, verse 18, he says, fast to be noticed by your Father who sees in secret, and he will reward you. And so Jesus' instructions suggest we need to believe two specific things when we fast, First of all, when we fast, we need to believe that God sees what is done in secret. When you fast in secret, God notices. God is paying very close attention to your motives, to what you're doing, and how you're doing it. And it's taught throughout Scripture. Uh, Hebrews 4.13, for example, says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight. But all things are open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so you find this everywhere. God sees everything. Nothing escapes God's notice. And if you actually believe in God and you believe that that's true, again, that has staggering implications. It means, first of all, we seek to avoid secret sins. And when we do sin in secret, we don't try to hide, we bring it into the light, and we come clean. And when it comes to fasting, this means that God actually notices. He's looking. He notices when we fast in secret. This is a great motivation to humble ourselves through fasting. He sees our efforts. And if we don't really believe God sees what we do in secret, then fasting will just become one more random Christian thing that we feel like we ought to do sometime just to say we've done it. But if we do believe that God sees in secret, we'll fast with the conviction, my heavenly father is attentive to my heart. He, he understands I'm desperate here. He understands that I'm seeking him. And I found that, that fasting reveals what we really want like very, very few things in our, our lives. Instead of what we say we want, fasting reveals what we really want and how deeply we want it, or if it's no big deal. So we believe that God sees. And second, when we fast, we believe that our Father who sees in secret will reward us. Some people resist the idea that God rewards people. 
for what they do. That there is any time, any way, a cause and effect relationship between what we do and what God supplies. I think for some people it sounds kind of mercenary. It sounds kind of transactional. Like if we do something good, then God is obligated. He has to pay us back for what we do. Uh, it, it's not that that idea at all in the Bible. It's not a. It's not that we ever earn a reward. It's not that we ever obligate God to do something. It's never the case that he has to do something for us. The reason why God rewards those who seek him is because he's gracious. He is a God who loves to give good gifts to his children. And uh, I used to kind of resist the idea, I am all in now. Hebrews eleven six is instructive. It says, and without faith, this is a great chapter of faith. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can do a lot of things without faith. You can make a lot of money without faith. You can raise a lot of kids without faith. You can be a pastor of a church without faith. One thing you cannot do without faith is please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe two things. Number one, that he is. You have to believe he exists. God's not a fairy tale. God's not a figment of our imagination. He's not a concept that we've come up with to make life work. God exists. God is. Number two, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. He is a rewarder. That's who God is. You have to believe that when we seek God through prayer and fasting, through the word, through all these different different disciplines and, and heart exercises, that when we seek him, he rewards us. It's interesting, though. Keep reading in Hebrews 11, and you will see that, that these people of faith, they were rewarded in all different ways. Sometimes they were given exactly what they wanted in this life. You'll find other people who live by faith, they were put inside a log, and they were sawn into. They didn't get anything in this life. Their reward came later, okay? comes in this life, in the next life. Sometimes it comes in both, but God is a rewarder of those who seek him. So you come back to Matthew 6, and we read that when our Father sees what is done in secret, Jesus is assuring us that he sees our motives in fasting. Lock on to this. God sees our motives. He sees that we aren't trying to impress other people with our discipline and our piety. God sees that instead of trusting in ourselves, we're trusting in him. God sees that we want his reward, whatever, whenever it comes, more than we want lunch, okay? And so God sees all of this. As you probably notice, we aren't told how God will reward us. We aren't told. That is not the issue. Sometimes we're given exactly what we want. If you seek God, you've got a decision, you want wisdom, God says, ask. Ask without any doubt. I will give you wisdom. Or maybe you want strength to persevere. Again, God just gladly, that's 100% in his will, he gives it to us. Uh, But we, we should fast and pray with great boldness when we're seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. If we're just asking for something that we've just thought up that just because we want it, not necessarily. But when we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, yeah, God delights in giving it. Other times, God does not reward us. He does not give us what, we, what we're seeking. And uh, I don't have a great explanation for it other than he's God. We're asking. We're not demanding. He's not in our, 
He's not our servant that does our bidding for us. Uh, kind of a, a haunting example is found in 2 Samuel 12. David and Bathsheba's uh, little boy, this infant boy, was sick. He was dying. And so David prayed and fasted for seven days. And the child died. So did that shatter David's faith? Did he say prayer and fasting doesn't work? God's not worth serving? Absolutely not. He got up, he washed, and he kept seeking God. He kept seeking God. And so sometimes God doesn't give us what we want specifically. We say, God, remove this hardship from my life. And God says, no, actually, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm going to leave the hardship. I'm going to give you a different kind of grace. And so uh, we, we trust God. He's a God who knows how to give good gifts. And so we, we believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. But we fast in light of the death and resurrection of Jesus. When he gave his one and only son, his unique son for us, he proved that his compassion is infinite. And so we seek him as a God who has already proven his love for us, his commitment to us, his compassion. And when he doesn't give us what we want, uh, we don't shake our fist at the heavens. We don't accuse him of all sorts of nasty things. No, we trust him anyway. And so let me give an example of the way it might work to seek God through prayer and fasting. So let's say you have a decision that you need to make, uh, and it's a consequential decision. Uh, it, it would be a good thing to do. Let's say you've been given a job offer, or maybe, maybe uh, you have a, an opportunity to serve, him in some, serve God in some way. It's a good thing to do. Or maybe you're considering adopting a child or, or being a foster parent, something along that line. And so those are good things to do, right? But you don't want to just do something because it's good. You want to know, God, is this the good thing you want me to do right now in this season of my life. And so you decide, well, I'm going to create this space. I'm going to create this time for seeking God through prayer and fasting. So you decide, okay, this Wednesday, that's where I'm going to, I'm going to seek you through prayer and fasting. So I'm going to have, I'm going to have supper on Tuesday night, but when I'm done with supper, I'm not going to eat again till Wednesday supper. And so I'm going to fast. I'm, I'm going to eat, just drink water and coffee, of course. Okay, right? But I'm uh, not going to, no calories, right? And so that's your plan. But you also set apart some time to pray. So a modest time. I'm going to block out 15 minutes on Tuesday night, 15 minutes first thing in the morning, Wednesday, 15 minutes at lunch. I'm not eating. I've got time. No excuses here. I'm seeking God through prayer and fast. And then I'm going to end my fast before supper on Wednesday. I'm going to have another block of time where I seek God. And so you've got a plan, and, and you're going to seeking God for something specific. What is your will? God, you promise wisdom. I'm humbling myself in weakness. I'm humbling myself. Will you show me? Will you whisper to me your will? And so when your stomach growls on Tuesday or Wednesday morning, uh, and you're like, oh, I'm hungry. That's right. I'm hungry because I'm seeking God. I care more about, dis about discerning the will of God than I do about eating. This is a day for seeking God. And so your mind turns back to prayer. You trust God. And so I'm desperate, God, for you to lead me. I don't want to just make a decision and hope it works out. I'm denying myself, God, something good. And I thank you that you notice I'm denying myself something good because I want to be more fervent in prayer, more attentive to your voice. 
And so what fasting does, when it, when it works right, it doesn't make us think about food all day. It makes us think about God all day. It's a prompt. I'm seeking God. I'm desperate for God to answer my prayer. And so I hope you can see how prayer could be an asset in seeking God. I love what Mark Batterson says. He says, if, if praying is walking on a sidewalk, prayer and fasting is walking on a moving sidewalk, okay? It gets you where you want to go twice as fast. And so my encouragement to you is just taste and see. Try what Jesus says. Uh, try fasting and uh, see that he really does, God really does see and reward. Three simple suggestions. The first, I encourage you to decide why you're fasting. If you're just fasting because it's a good Christian thing to do, Honestly, it will just be annoying. It will just be pointless. And you'll think, why am I doing this? This is a huge mistake. I just can't wait till supper or whenever. So decide why you're fasting. Maybe, maybe you need to, to fast as an expression of repentance. You find that often in the Old Testament. Uh, you need to express God over some sorrow that you have or some habit in your life or some negligence in your relationship with him. So just talked about maybe you need to seek wisdom over a decision. Uh, maybe you're seeking the salvation of somebody that you love and you want God to break through. You want God to do something in this person's life. Maybe your love for God has just grown cold, cold. Maybe you've gotten apathetic. And you say, God is an expression of faith. It's a way to humble myself. I'm just going to enter into this time. I want you to warm up my heart. And so decide why you're fasting. And then secondly, decide how and when you will fast. Okay, it's important. Get a plan. Don't say vague. Hey, I'm going to start out fasting and maybe I'll fast till lunch. Maybe so. Yeah, you'll fast till lunch. Trust me. Uh, get a plan. Decide what you're going to do. Uh, if you got this guide, this guide to prayer and fasting that we made available, it will give you various options. If you haven't gotten one yet, we have them at the information desk out in the foyer, or write 21 days on the back of your connection card, and we'll send you a link, and you can get it there. But it will give you different options for fasting, and it will also give you a list. It will also send you a list of the prayer opportunities this week. There's five or six times to pray, different times a day, different parts of the city. Uh, you can come pray with different people. But if you get that list, you'll see you might do a complete fast where you drink only liquids for a period of time. I know some people are fasting uh, one day a week during this 21 days. Or second option, you might do a selective fast where you remove certain types of food from your diet. Some are doing the Daniel fast where you only drink water and juice for fluids and you only eat fruits and vegetables for food. And some are doing this for the, the entire 21 days. Uh, you might decide to do a partial fast where you fast for part of a day. Some are fasting from breakfast during these 21 days. Uh, others are fasting from breakfast and lunch for three or four days a week during these 21 days. Or if, if fasting from food is not advisable, you might do what has been called a soul fast where you abstain from something besides food. Some are, are fasting from social media for 21 days. Uh, some are fasting from television for 21 days. Uh, I know one person, I think, is checking news once a day as opposed to 40 times a day, once a day. I'm going to stay kind of current, but I'm not going to marinate my mind in the news for these 21 days. So you've got different options. But uh, our encouragement is to decide ahead of time how you will fast 
uh, encourage you to choose something that you'll notice. If it's something you really don't notice, that kind of defeats the purpose. Something that's a challenge for you. Something you can joyfully uh, enter into in faith. And uh, choose an area where you're desperate to find God. Decide why you're fasting, how and when you'll fast. Third, fast. Fast for the notice and the reward of your Father. And so rehearse the scriptures we've been talking about today. Come before God. God, I'm humbling my soul with fasting. You tell me that you see. God, I trust you see me. You see my motives. You see my need. You see why I'm desperate for you. And God, I believe that you are a rewarder of those who seek you. And so, God, I believe this. And so, hear my prayers. Lead me in this fast. Show me what you need to show me during this time. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Heavenly Father, we ask that this this time of prayer and fasting would be significant in the spiritual realm. Uh, God, we don't want to just do this because it's a decent thing to do. God, we want to be desperate for you. We want to seek and find you. And uh, God, we, we invite you to lead us during this time. We pray especially in fasting that you'll help us avoid the pitfalls, avoid the wrong motives, the sub-Christian motives. And God, we pray that we would come to you honestly in faith, humbling our souls before you. God, show us the truth of the scriptures we've considered today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.